let's, let's take a moment and I want to pray. And I re- what I want to pray is um, we've been doing, uh, we kicked off, Parker kicked off last weekend with a, um, a series on Ephesians. We've been going through Ephesians. He started with Ephesians chapter 1. And I'm going to pick it up with Ephesians chapter 2. But at the end of Ephesians chapter 1 is an awesome prayer. And I would say this is a prayer that I would encourage you in your walk with Christ to memorize. And if you don't have it memorized, open it up on a regular basis and pray it like every day until you have it memorized, really. I mean, I don't know about you. I don't memorize by like trying to, I just memorize by repetition. (laughs) And so the more I do it, the more it just kind of sticks in the brain. So... The prayer goes something like this. It's, it, it goes, Lord, um, Paul's prayer is, is that you would grant um, us a spirit of wisdom and revelation into the knowledge of you. I pray that for every person in this room. God, that we would have a, a, a spirit of wisdom and revelation into the knowledge of you and who you are and what you're all about. God, that the eyes of our understanding would be flooded with light. That's the next prayer. That the eyes, Lord, I pray this for every person in this room, especially about who we are in you, Jesus. I pray that the eyes of our understanding, if, when, for every person in this room, God, the eyes of our understanding would be flooded with light. God, with truth, with knowledge of who you are and who we are in you, Jesus Christ, I pray. God, that the eyes of our understanding would be flooded with light, that we would know the hope of our calling, that we would understand the, the, uh, your inheritance, Lord Jesus, in the saints. And God, that we would fully grasp and understand and comprehend and walk in the power, the great and awesome power that you have for us who believe. Lord, that's what I pray for every person in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That's really what Ephesians is all about is all of us growing in all of those areas that I just talked about. And every one of those areas is really important, that we have an understanding, that the eyes of our understanding is flooded with light, that we would understand the hope of our calling. All of us have a calling. All of us have a significance and a purpose. I think one of the greatest things in life and why you look around and you see the world faltering is because people lack vision and purpose in who they are. They lack understanding of who they are and why they're here. And when we get a hold of that, right, if we really take hold of why we're here and who we are and start walking that out in our lives, then that's, I mean, it's, it's revolutionary, right? It's revolutionary. Why are people in jail? <laughs> because they lack understanding of who they are and why they're here. Why are people doing drugs? It's because they lack understanding of who they are and why they're here. And part of our The reason why we're here is to release that revelation to people. But if we don't understand who we are, (laughs) then how can we help somebody next to us? If you don't understand your purpose and your destiny and your calling, then how can you convey that to somebody else? And so with that, I want to dive into Ephesians chapter 2. If you will, open up your Bibles or your, or your phones or electronic devices, whatever, to Ephesians chapter 2, and let's go ahead and dive in. And I'm going to kind of break this down, and we're going to kind of go through this whole chapter. Some parts I'm going to spend a little bit more time than other parts as we're going through this, 
So bear with me. I mean, there, I mean, honestly, you could write a book on some of the things that we're um, about to talk about. So I'm going to, um, but I want to f- dial into a few things that I feel like Holy Spirit's really saying and doing for us today. Uh, verse 1, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. The one, let me just pause and back up just for a second. When it says you, it, does, it means it individually, but it also means us. He's writing you is like a plural term, like all of us collectively together, right? He's writing it to believers in Ephesus, if you will, right? And so um, to us, right, we collectively were dead in our trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, According to the prince and the power of the air. Who's that? Right, right? I mean, it's, it's, he's already referring to a demonic presence who's over this world and world system. Okay? And he's saying you formerly walked according to this world system and you walked under the influence <laughs> of this prince of the power of the air. Right Before we became believers, we were slaves to Satan. And we would say, no, we weren't. Yes, you were. <laughs> you didn't understand it. Right? But all of us at some point in our lives, we were slaves to, to Satan and his thought processes, if you will, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of the flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh of the mind and were by nature children of wrath even as the rest right that is the fundamental problem that all of us every person faces right is we're dead in our trespasses and sins right it's the it's the issue it's the why Jesus came to set us free set us free from satan set us free from self set us free from sin, and he died on the cross for all, all of us to come alive, which is what we're going to talk about here in just a minute. But we've, we were slaves to this world system. We were all slaves to this world system. And, and, and the problem that we face is that all of us in some way, shape, or form are still being influenced by that thought process, if you will right? It's an issue in our lives. We've been born again. We've, we've been made alive in Christ. Spiritually, we're born again. Let's go ahead and go to the next slide, if you could, there, Josh. Uh, this is a really crude diagram. I actually sketched this myself, by the way. I was like, I was going to steal something, but I was like, no, I think I'm good enough. I can sketch this. Yeah, you're impressed, Jim. I get it. You did a really good job. So the, the image on the left is uh, the image on the left is us, right? We're being born again, and, and the blue is, is to signify that new creation. We're, we're baptized. We're new, we become new creations, right? Spiritually, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, and it, when we said yes to Jesus and we, when we, we confessed Jesus is Lord, the Bible says when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he, raised, he was raised from the dead, 
then you're, you're, you will be saved. You will be born again. I mean, that's the process. It's saying yes to Jesus. And when we say yes to Jesus, right, we become new creations. The old is gone, the new has come. Spiritually, we are alive. We are born again, okay? That's what that's signifying on the outside. And you're saying, John, yeah, I, I did that, and I don't feel any different. I don't look any different, <laughs> right? I don't feel like a new creation, right? Because that born again, your spirit still lives inside an unrenewed mind, right? A mind that has lived underneath that sin nature and that sin way of thinking for all of its life. Right? I was born again when I was 22 years old. And for 22 years, I was a slave to self, I was a slave to sin, and I was a slave to Satan. And I had that mindset. I had that slavery mindset. Right? I was a slave. I was addicted to that way of thinking and living until I became born again. And so what in, in the Christian... in the, the way of thinking, the Bi- what we talk about in terms of the Bible is this, this idea of transformation takes place or sanctification, right, is basically this process of taking the reality of who we are on the inside and allowing that to permeate through. I did that from blue to purple, right, because if you mix blue with red, it becomes purple, primary colors kind of thing. I'm doing a little, yeah, you like that, Myra, that's awesome, right? So as the blue permeates, that that reality of being born again, as it permeates through our mind, as it permeates through our emotions, right? As it permeates through our will and who we are and even our bodies, as it permeates through, right? It transforms us from the inside out to be who we really are and we're called to be. And this is the discipleship process. And this is the process that, honestly, I have a half hour here to spend with all of you and to try to disciple you along this path and to encourage you along this path of becoming more and more like Jesus and living out your true identity and who God has called you to be. Does that make sense to you? Paul said something really interesting, and I would say this too. He said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And he said, said, I wish, there was one time where he was asked, he's like, I wish everybody was just like me. And I I say that to you. I wish everyone, I wish I could take sometimes my brain, and I'm not saying that I'm perfect. I'm far from that. You get to ask him if I'm perfect, and we already know that answer. All right? But man, I have learned how to walk this out. Right? God has had me because of the power of the Holy Spirit residing in me, and the more I surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit, it permeates out through my being. Right? And I become more and more like Christ. On the, the, the reality of who I am on the outside becomes reality of who I am on the outside. On the, on the, excuse me, I said the reality of who I am on the inside permeates out and becomes the reality of who I am on the outside. And that's the, that's the longing of all of us in this room, I hope. And that's what life, when Jesus talks about abundant life, that's what abundant life is really made of. Now, some of you in this, in this room, I'm talking to a lot of believers, but some of, you, some of you here might not be already there yet. Maybe you've never made that confession. Maybe you've never set your heart and your mind on the reality that Jesus is Lord, right? That he died for you, that you are his beloved, right? And I just want to pause for a moment and just give you a chance to do that. Just to say yes to Jesus. You didn't realize up until the moment that I just told you that you're a slave. You've been walking as a slave to sin, a slave to self, a slave to Satan, right? 
and you, you were like, oh my gosh, I didn't know. I thought I, was, I thought I was ruling and reigning in my own life. Well, no, you've been following the path and the plan of the enemy, of the dark side for you Star Wars people, right? And so the way that you can become free of that and to come into sonship, come out of slavery and come into sonship where you get to be an heir and a part of the kingdom of God is to say yes to Jesus. And if that's something that you desire right now, I, just, I would just encourage you to lean into that. Let's just shut our eyes for a moment. And I, I, I'm not going to, I don't even know who that is, but all I'm saying is, is that the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we'll, we will be saved. And that's where it began in my life when I was 22 years old. I shut the Bible, I was reading it, and I said, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want to follow you in every way of my life. And that's all you've got to say in your heart. You can whisper it. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross. I believe you are, were raised from the dead. And I want you to be the Lord of my life. That's your prayer. And I can tell you that if you prayed that right now, that you truly are born again, that you've started this journey with Jesus and the Holy Spirit is coming to fill your life and he wants to fill your life completely. He wants to fill your life completely. Real quick before we move on, I want to give you an example because I think it's really, really important and I want to address one of these sin natures. We were talking about being under the influence and this renewal process that we all face. But a prevalent sin nature kind of way of thinking that we see and that a lot of us are under the influence is something I call individualism. It's an ism, right? Individualism that we each, um, basically what individualism does, and I'm just going to go get, cut it right straight to the point, is it exalts ourselves and our beliefs and our opinions above the knowledge of God. That's really ultimately what it does, right? But it's prevalent, like uh, you have the right to believe and you, we all do. I mean, it is a reality, right? But your truth is, is truth. Let me say it that way. Whatever you believe to be true is true, right? And you can formulate that, and your, your worldview is right, ultimately right. The danger of this, uh-oh, 1102, Thank you, Jesus, for all the people that are attending Alpha. The danger of this is that truth can become very relativistic, right? It becomes it, it, truth. It's whatever you believe to be truth is truth, whereas in, in reality, Jesus is truth. Jesus told us, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so truth is not relativistic. Truth begins with Jesus. It's absolute in nature. And a part of my becoming a follower of Jesus is about surrendering my individualistic thoughts and ideas and bringing those to Jesus and going, you know, I don't want any opinion of myself or my surroundings or the world that does not line up with Jesus. Does that make sense to you? And I would pray that. I mean, like, just give that up. Seriously. Like, I have a right to my own opinion, and I have a right to my, no, I don't want my own opinion. I want my opinions to be influenced by Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through me. But this is really prevalent in our midst. 
See, truth becomes something that I own. It's something that's mine instead of something that I seek out and discover. And individualism is a part of our old sin nature. It is not meant to be a part of our new creation and who we are in Christ. It's actually this individualism is a mindset of the enemy, right? It's what he promoted in the garden. We see that in the story of Adam and Eve in the garden and what ultimately influenced humans to to seek after something beyond God. See, the problem here with believers is just like this diagram shows, the problem is not that we're sinners, but that we are truly saints, but we're trapped in an old sinner's mind, will, emotions, and body. And transformation takes place as we learn to yield those, our will, our emotions, and our mind, as we bring those to the cross, and as we learn to follow truth and to allow truth to transform our worldview and how we see ourselves, how we see others, and how we see God. That's where transformation takes place. So let's, let's keep going here in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. But God, right? We're dead in our trespasses and sins, Paul declares. We were at one point. It says, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. Beautiful. This is what it means to be born again. By grace You have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of your works, not as a result of your striving and all of the good things that you've done, right? Has, it's, a, it's completely separate from that. It is purely a gift of God so that no one may, bo- may boast, right? So no one can boast. No one can say, I'm better than you, right? We're all on an evil, e- even playing field here, right? It's not through striving. It's not through performance that we are saved, that we are born again, that we we become new creations. It's purely by faith in him, by faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's the born-again experience. That's where it begins. And I want to talk real quick about this process of transformation and how this takes place in our lives. And I, and I want to kind of expand on this of what it means to be made alive with Christ. Because it's very important that we get comfortable with living and living in grace. We have to learn to live in grace. I don't know about you, but when I first came to Christ, I struggled with this. I really, really struggled with this. I mean, when I did all everything right, okay, when I read my Bible, when I prayed, when I... Um, When I was nice to people, you know, I mean, just name all the things. When I was that way, I felt like God was really close to me. But as soon as I sinned or I did something, I felt like he took off. 
I felt like he was distant. I felt like he was mad at me, right? Because I, my mind was used to a performance-oriented structure and way of thinking and of, of doing things. Like, if you do it right, he's with you. If you do it wrong, he's away from you. And that is not the, that, that's not the perspective of grace that Jesus taught us. We have to learn how to thrive in grace. Some of the greatest moments that you can have with God and the greatest experiences of his presence is in your weakest moments. It's when you screwed everything up. (laughs) You want to be intimate with Jesus? You want to be close in relationship with him? Come to him and run to him when you've messed everything up. When you've screamed and kicked the dog and, and, I mean, name it. Bring that to him. We need to learn to thrive in this paradigm of grace, that his love is always with us, that his love is always for us, that his love is always surrounding us, that his presence is always near to us, that even at this moment right now, Jesus is the great I am, and we get to experience that presence and that reality of him with us right now. And in every moment of our lives, it's just a matter of us being aware of the reality of his presence. Paul, the same writer of, uh, to, in Ephesians, um, there's a verse in Romans that he wrote, and I want to, that the Holy Spirit has just been like kind of beating inside of me, I, I would say. Um, maybe that's not the right word, but. I've just been really focused on it, and it's out of four, uh, Romans 14, 17 through 18, and it says this. Paul says that the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, and I believe that that actually is the process that the Holy Spirit wants to take us through, this transformational process that we're talking about, is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. He begins, the Holy Spirit begins to work this in us as we yield and surrender ourselves to him, as we run to him in those graceful moments and times of need, in our weakest moments, when we bring that to him, he starts, he starts solidifying inside of us. He begins this work of, of helping us understand that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That we have right standing with God every moment of our lives. That God adores us, that God loves us, that he's for us and not against us that we are his sons and daughters, right? That we are his, the children of Almighty God, that we are his children. And he works this work of righteousness inside of us, right? He works this work of righteousness, and the best way that you can get that is almost honestly in those moments of weakness when we're struggling. Those are those moments that, it, that we need it the most. It's not when we do everything right. It's when we screw it all up, <laughs> that we need to be reminded of that you are the righteousness of God. And we need to get comfortable in that place and functioning in that place. The reality is that God is perfectly for us and no one can stand against us. Just look at the, I mean, you know, and some of us, like I I know how you are, I, I know how I am. I go, no, God cannot be this good. Like, it, this, there's got to be a catch here, right? It's because that's our old way of thinking. That's our sinful nature. 
That isn't full of relationship. That's, isn't, that's not born again. What born again is, is that God is with us, and God is for us, and his love is, is everlasting. He is love. It's the very nature of who he is. He's delighted over us at, all, at, at every moment of our life. He's delighting over us. If we will just allow ourselves to feel that and to experience that. When your emotions, when you, you know, when you begin to dwell, and when you, it, a lot of us in our prayer lives, and we're going to talk about this, is we need to learn to sit in the presence of God and to allow the Holy Spirit to release his righteousness into us and the reality of this. It's a process that we all have to go through that our minds would be renewed with who we are in Christ, in his presence with us. When our emotions are touched with this reality of, of our righteousness with God, I don't know about you, but it, it typically ends up in tears. Right? And I'm just overwhelmed with the reality of how much Jesus loves me and how Jesus is for me and how I get to be in the kingdom of God and that I will never end. I'm everlasting. <laughs> It's called eternal life. I heard somebody say one time, he loves me. He loves me. He loves me. There is no he loves me not. So it's, he loves me. He loves me. He loves me, right? I mean, learning to really dwell in that and sit in that. I mean, I would just encourage you in your prayer life. I'm all about praying and asking and stuff like that. But a lot of our prayer life, if we want to be effective and, and, and we want to live out a, the abundant life that Jesus calls us to, we need to get, take hold of the righteousness of, of who we are in Christ Jesus. And reading and dwelling and understanding who we are. That his love is with us and his love is for us. And then what that, the, the next layer of what God does is as we get a hold of our righteousness and our right standing with God, right? Our right standing that we are, the, we are the king's kids. We are the king's kids. As we get a hold of that, that the next level is that he starts to work this peace inside of us, right? So we take hold of our righteousness and we need to let go of all fear and anxiety. That's the key in the next, next step is we have to let go of fear. We have to let go of control. We have to let go of our worries and our cares in life. That's exactly what Jesus taught us to do. Because he is our perfect peace. And we need to be at peace with what we're not. We have to be with peace. I am not an NBA basketball player. Trust me, I spent a lot of hours dreaming and contemplating being an NBA basketball player. I ain't going to lie. A lot of my childhood, Joel, I, I was on that court dreaming of that shot in the NBA championship. It's just, it is. It's just beat John Richter, okay? That's who I was. That was my past. I have to, I have to let that go, right? But I'm, I'm just using it as an, there's a lot of things that I am not, there's a lot of things that you are not, and that is okay. 
because you were designed with a purpose. And a part of our problem and a part of our lack of peace is because we're constantly trying to be something that we're not called to be and that we're not made to be and that we were not designed and fashioned to be. And so we're in love with something that is not who we are. And so we need to let go of that, yes, and take hold of who we were made to be and fall in love with. Let's let, fall in love with who you're made to be. You are your worst version of you when you're full of fear and anxiety, especially about your identity and your calling. You are the worst you when you're motivated by fear and when you're motivated by anxiety. Just think about it, right? We are our best you, we are our best version of ourselves when we are living in a peace and we're at peace with who we're, we are called and made to be. He is our peace. And so as we take hold of our righteousness and we let go of fear and anxiety, right, then this comes over this peace. And so the kingdom of heaven, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is working inside of us, this discipleship process that we're talking about. It begins with understanding our right standing with God, and then it flows into this place of perfect peace. Every day we wake up in perfect peace. Take a moment. Well, hold on. Let me just hold that. I'll, I'll ask you that in just a minute, because I get, get to the third one here. Because the, the reality is, is this peace rolls over into the next emotion or the next experience which is this which is joy right righteousness peace and joy and this is where once we deal with the first two right we get a hold of when we look into the eyes of Jesus look look this is how you get a hold of 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 your righteousness is you stare you don't look at yourself you look stare into the eyes of Jesus and you look so closely that you can see the reflection of yourself in his eyes and as you stare at it, you start to go, oh my gosh, this is who I, he loves me. He thinks I'm amazing. He died on that cross for me. So many people are like, I, I just wish God would show me that he loves me. Are you serious? Like, come on. Like, he died on the cross for you and for me. Honestly, I don't need him to do another single thing. I don't. If he does, that's awesome. But, the, but what he did on, for me on that cross and being rose again, that's enough. He's, he's, got, he's captured my heart. Let me just say it that way. He's captured my heart. And I am his. But we take hold of our righteousness, we let go of our fear and anxiety and take hold of his peace, and then that flows into this thing of joy, that the, the joy of our salvation. And it's so important for us to have every moment, every day we wake up with a joy of our salvation, the joy of knowing him, the joy of his presence around us and in us and surrounding us. The joy of who he designed and made you to be. 
Are you delighted with being you? I ask you that question. Like I would, this is what I would tell you is take a moment and, and not right now, but at some point in these three areas of righteousness, peace, and joy, score yourself, 10 being Jesus, one being, like where are you at on this, in this discipleship? Are you like filled every day with, with an understanding of the, who you are and the righteousness that you have in Jesus Christ? Every day are you waking up in peace? Where's your peace level? Where are you at with peace? And where are you at with your joy? This is a big one I see in Christians, right? And as this permeates out, honestly, when, when people experience us, that's what they should experience. Honestly, right? They should be experiencing this joy, our joy of life. If anyone should be excited about life, it should be us. If anyone should be excited about who you were designed and made to be, it should be us. The world strives to be something else, but we are comfortable with who God made us to be. See, the joy, we want strength in life. We want to we we live out fully in life. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. You need joy. I, I, a preacher, I just, I, his name. We need joy in the battle, not after the battle. We need joy right now. We need strength right now. So we need joy right now. We need to wake up every day with the joy in who God has designed us and made us to be. You are your best you when you are filled with joy, filled with joy. When you're walking in joy, when you're laughing. Laughing is just an overflow of joy, right? We pray for people and they get filled with holy laughter or whatever. Laughter is just a, a culmination of joy in our hearts. Laughter is a beautiful thing. This is the progression of what it means to walk out who we are in Jesus Christ. We wake up every morning and we're just so excited with the presence of God in our hearts and our lives. We're so excited with who God made us to be, with what God's doing. And life is hard. Let's just get on. It's hard, Valerie. It's hard. Let's, uh, let's just rejoice in what God has done. Hallelujah. Amen. For Valerie. Amen. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm pinpointing Valerie. She went through a tough sickness, right? I mean, amazing. I'm just, I'm just so excited to see your face. And, and just it's just so, thank you, Jesus, right? That's all we can say. Thank you, God. Praise you, God. So these are the keys that it, for us to walk into when it comes to walking out being uh, made alive together in Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. I'm going to... For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus... For good works, which God prepared for beforehand so that we would walk in them. That word workmanship is poi, poiema, P-O-I-E-M-A. And it's where we get the word poem or poetry. In some of the translations, it actually says that we are the, his work of art. Like, like the picture I get is, is we're the clay, right? The Jeremiah picture of we're the potter, or he's the potter and we're the clay, and he's fashioning us into this beautiful 
piece of uh, pottery, right? We are each individually a, his work of art that he's fashioning and forming, right? For all the world to see his glory and his majesty. The next verse here, it says, Therefore remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision. This next part, I'm going I'm I'm to go ahead and read it, but I'm not going to talk uh, too much about it. He's basically expanding on this reality that the Israelites, there was this, you know, a lot, it was really prevalent at the time of the separation between Jews and Gentiles, and he's talking about how that has merged together into the body of Christ. It's a beautiful picture. It doesn't, I mean, I'm not saying that it's not significant. It's very significant, but um, we're going to have to save that for another day. But let me go ahead and read it. Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at, at that time separate, separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and with, without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by it having put to death the enmity. And then verse 17, And he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. And this is the verse that if I, I wanted, want to highlight for you. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. In that last section there, I want to just highlight, for through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's holy people. We have access. That's what I want you to understand. I was, I was thinking about this, and when I was a little kid, um, there was a time where I was probably like 10 years old. <laughs> And my parents locked me out of their bedroom. I could, because I, I, no, I'm, I wasn't 10 years old. I was probably like five or six. But I don't even know how old I was. I just remember that there was one night where they decided, okay, you're not sleeping with us anymore. They locked the door. <laughs> and I was stuck outside. So I slept on the floor in the hallway. <laughs> I just lay there and I fell asleep. I mean, it was like, it was, it was, I'm, that never happened to any of you. I get it. Okay. All right. So. Point being, I lost access to my parents' bedroom. Rightfully so. I'm not saying there was anything wrong with that. They were, it was perfectly fine. But the point is, is that I didn't have access, right? What, what Paul is telling us here is I have perfect access 
every moment of every day to the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. You have perfect access. You, you could, every time you knock on the door, right, you, the Father says, you have perfect access to me. James said it this way, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So that means that this, this is the reality. I dictate how much of the Lord's presence I get to have and experience because he's always open. What I mean by that is this. He's always there. He's always present. James is saying, draw near to God and he will draw near. It's a, it's a guarantee. It's a promise, right? Paul's saying you have perfect access to the Father. I'm saying that if we're not feeling the Lord's presence or we're not there, it's because we've made some decisions to walk away and we perfectly can do that because we have the free will to do that. I'm not encouraging anyone in this room to do that. What I'm encouraging you to do is to get, not whine and complain about not having the presence of God in your life. I'm saying it's there, just press into it. I'm saying prepare your heart. Have a regular lifestyle of being in the presence of God in your life. I would love to dive into this more, but I mean developing this intimacy with God is such an important thing. And, I, and, and, and what I would say to you is this. I was just reading some, some posts by a friend of mine from Vineyard Northwest, Micah Turnbow. And, um, and man, I just loved that. I reposted it on my thing. There were so many great nuggets in that, okay? And, but the thing that I, one of the ones that I want to share with you, just practically speaking, is this. Just how many of you, seriously, I want to just ask you this question. How many of you just stop for a moment, sit down by yourself, and you just start thanking him for all the things that he has done in your life. I know we talk about this, but we save Thanksgiving for like a one time of the year kind of moment. I think this should be like an everyday experience. Seriously, just think about this. It says, enter his courts with thanksgiving, enter his, courts with, enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. We, get, we open that door, we, we, we enter the room of his presence with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is what opens the gate. It opens the door. It accesses the grace that we long for and that we need. Does that make sense to you? So I want you to just take a moment. I'm serious. There's times where I will just sit in the presence of the Lord, and I will thank him, and I will, that list will get longer and longer. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my children. Thank you for my job. Lord, thank you. And I start thanking him for all this. Thank you for saving my life. Thank you that I get to wake up knowing that I have eternal life. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for all those stripes that you bore. Thank you that by your stripes I am healed. And I just start thanking him for all those things. God, I, I mean, I, I, mean I, just, I just praise him. And most of the time, as I start to do that, what it ends up doing is, is that righteousness just starts coming over me. And I just start weeping in his presence. And I feel the presence of the Lord all around me. And if I'm not feeling it, I just keep, say, I keep thanking him until I do. <laughs> I just thank him until I do. This is so important in our lives. If we want to walk out victoriously, if we want to walk in abundant life, all right, we need to learn how to have intimacy and, and fellowship and relationship with God. And he's, he's given us tools to do that. One of them is thanksgiving. Amen. Let's uh, bring the worship team back up here. We're going to worship. I want you to do this. Let's, this, is, this is an individual thing that I'm going to say for you guys. And this is like something I would encourage you to do. Like, again, we talked about 
you know, my heart's cry is to disciple you along this path of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That you wake up and that there's nothing that the enemy can throw at you that you cannot handle. There's no curveball. Listen, I, I, I've been reminded this week, I'm sitting here preaching this, this and speaking this message, and, and it's like, I had a rough week. <laughs> I didn't react. I, 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 wasn't, I, I lacked some peace in my life. I'm just honestly, my peace scale would not be at a 10 or a, at a 9 or at an 8 probably. It's more like a 6 or a 7, right? And there's some area of my life that needs to be renewed and, and transformed with, with truth and life. But this is what I want you to do while we're worshiping today. I want to just encourage you to maybe even pause and sit down. We're going to stand up. But it, and maybe whatever, get in whatever position you feel comfortable with. But just take a moment and just quietly say thank you. Just have a moment with Holy Spirit. And say thank you. Denzel Washington, interestingly enough, and I've done a little bit of studying on this, but he has a whole video out there on YouTube about thank thank you. Two most powerful words in your life that are revolutionary and transformative in nature is the words thank you. I mean, it's because that, you know, the way that God designed us, thanksgiving opens up immediately and brings us into the presence of God. Amen.